Eighteen years have gone by, and still I can bring back every detail of that day in the meadow. Washed clean of summer's dust by days of gentle rain, the mountains wore a deep, brilliant green. The October breeze set white fronds of head-tall grasses swaying. One long streak of cloud hung pasted across a dome of frozen blue. It almost hurt to look at that far-off sky. A puff of wind swept across the meadow and threw her hair before it slipped into the woods to rustle branches and sent back snatches of distant barking, a hazy sound that seemed to reach us from the doorway to another world. We heard no other sounds. We met no other people. We saw only two bright red birds leap startled from the center of the meadow and dart into the woods. As we ambled along, Nayoko spoke to me of Wells. Welcome back to the Book Boys podcast. This is episode 8, and that was an extract from Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami, a book which we both read and that we will be analyzing this week. Yes, I yes, am yes. with my co-host, Max, and I'm Elwa, and uh, yeah, so let's dive right into it. Indeed, let's do that. Um, we were, just really quick, we were supposed to have a guest, you know, for this podcast. We're quite disappointed about this. We are disappointed about it, because there's quite a few people who we know who've read this book, and we were like, when we're going to do this book, let's get someone else involved. And know? we chose a specific person. But, I know. Uh, and it was all good and well. And then this morning, we got the no ahead of, no, it's not going to happen. So that's just... In a if way... He, if you sound sad, that's why, you know. Exactly. In a way, we can compare him to um, the Stormtrooper, a character in oh, the book. Oh, indeed, indeed, who suddenly <laughs> leaves without explanation. Thank you very much. Um, so maybe we should, like, make a little resume of the plot. Let's do that. Okay, so, so um, yeah, go ahead. So we have uh, we start off in the book uh, as the main character who's now older. I think he's in his early forties, probably. That's kind of the tone that it sets. Yeah, and the whole book um, is kind of a prolonged flashback. I guess you could call yeah, it. whole memory. His recounting of the events of um, the two or three year period in which he um, fell in love with and had a relationship of sorts with a girl named Nayoko. Yeah. Um, so or his first years at the uh, uh, yeah I guess you could characterize it as his first years uh, at university, and we kind of go the the book, um, it's really a book about relationships between people I'd say yes. it explores uh, friendships um, relationships of love um, mentor mentor like relationships of yeah. older people with with younger people and even like random. Uh, Random relationships, like you meet someone and then you yeah. talk to them for a while and then you leave. <coughs> yeah. um, so we're quite sick, as you might notice uh, already. There's going to be a lot of sniffing in this podcast, so okay. get ready for that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so the book is, this is one of my favorite books by far. Yeah. Um, everybody recommended it to me. Yeah. And I wasn't disappointed. Um, yeah, nor was I. I was recommended it by Eloa and uh, yeah. I recently finished it. And so, um, so we read another book by him called uh, Birthday Girl, which was a short story. This is quite a longer story. And also, I've read a few reviews about it, and apparently Murakami wrote it for more European audiences, right, right, so right, that's right. why it's so popular among us, I say, white teens, um, <laughs> Whoa, I guess. Whoa, what a nice drop of the white teens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, it really explores um, this change that the main character goes through. Um, I don't know, um, in the... Um, in the back of the in the blur, he's called Toru, but in the story he's called um, something else. Yeah, uh, his his full name is Toru Watanabe. Yeah, Watanabe. So, yeah, that's so Toru his... is the first name. Um, but you know what we can actually do? Um, <coughs> we could do a little um, like character breakdown. That's a good because idea. We have the list of characters next to us here, so. 
maybe we can talk about so, that. So um, maybe we should start off with the first character, Toru Watanabe. He's yeah. the main... The main uh, guy. The protagonist the, and narrator, as it says so nicely here. Very much. Um, he's told... It's very. It's not told from first person, but it's told as him. Yeah. Um, and he... So he... This, the whole trauma of his life is based around um, his best friend, um, Kizuki, who died when he was young, and who, was, who had a girlfriend called Nayoko. And yeah. so they were a, a group of three, yeah. a friend group. And so, basically, the f- story follows Toru and um, Nayoko, Nayoko uh, rebuilding their lives. I guess you kind lives. of see it as uh, the aftermath of this, maybe like the post-war. Yeah. The war being the, the suicide of Kazuki. Yeah, so it's a suicide, and that really shocked um, both of them, because yeah. they weren't expecting it, and um, they were so close to him. Yeah. And so they really try to cope with it, Nayoko and Toru even um, having a relationship throughout most of the book. That's very passionate and quite distant at times as well, mm-hmm. and it's very much explored by um, uh, Murakami. Yeah, um, I think also what the what the book is tr- kind of trying to show us is maybe that there are two ways that you can move on from something like that happening to you, um, and Watanabe or Toru's way is kind of. Um, it's he he feels a lot of pain and there's a lot of bad things that happen to him but he comes out of it um well successful i guess you could say yeah. he, he he manages to rebuild his life but the trauma <coughs> does change a lot in his life so i don't know if he was like this before but he has no motivation at school he's studying for mm-hmm. i think uh, literature or drama uh, i um, think history of history of drama yeah maybe yeah. that's it but he says he's not passionate about it at all he skips a lot of classes. Yeah. Um, but there are that a lot of... That comes in waves, because there will be times when... <coughs> where he's, he's actually motivated. He's it, like, in, interested in his classes. That's very true. He's very, his mood is very much affected by his relationship with Nayoko. As Definitely. Well. Yeah. But I also... Um, another aspect that I really liked about the book was the description of the different um, environments. So, like, each place yeah, he goes to... They really is build very... it up as this habitat. Yeah, exactly. It has its own connotations, and it's... Literally in the book, those connotations are named, but also things that then yeah, are carried with that place. Like, like an example is the um, record store. I really like that where mm-hmm. he works. Mm-hmm. Um, is very well described. You can you can almost feel like you're there. Yeah. And even the owner of the shop is is quite a typical yeah. like Tokyo uh, resident. Yeah. It's super interesting. Another uh, aspect is also the dormitory where he sleeps. Yeah. That's very well uh, like described in depth because he spends a lot of time there. Yeah. And, and he also spends a lot of time talking about these places to other people, yeah. which also not only is just the way Murakami describes it, but also the way that Toro sees these environments. And I feel like it's described so realistically because maybe Murakami went through this, like maybe he went to Tokyo as a as a young okay, man, yeah, yeah, worked yeah. there or something, mm-hmm. and he he's recounting his experience of the fact. Yeah. Um, I think you liked a lot the part where he goes to the... Um, to the roof of the uh, dormitory alone in the night. Yeah, so, yeah. So there's a lot of times where uh, either after a night out with his uh, friend Nagasawa, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, or just um, after he receives a letter from Nayoko, or um, after he goes out with Midori and comes back, he'll he'll go onto the roof and um, and just kind of sit there and sometimes he he reads or. Um, a lot of times he he also just says like and then I drank half a bottle of whiskey and fell asleep. Um, so we go th- through a lot of these kind of alcoholic stages of yeah. his and just depressive stages and not really caring about anything that uh, happened. I feel like it really gives us insight into the in the mind of someone who has that kind of illness. Mm-hmm. It's it's very well explained, so it's not like 
um, explain in a negative way. It's more like this happened. Yeah. Um, and, and this it is can how happen I, to anyone. Exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking of Dagasawa, I feel like we should mention him because he's one of my favorite characters in the whole. Yeah, he's a, he's very interesting. He's um, which uh, the more I've I've read novels, the more I feel um, not the main character, but authors usually like to put someone in the book who is liked by everyone and who f- makes other people feel good about themselves. But he he's doesn't really do that that much. He more... Um, no, but he, when he first describes Nagasawa, he's like... Loved he's, by everyone, but yeah. he does, Nagasawa's kind of like... He's yeah, a part. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. but And then, I mean, I was going to say, there's then always like some sort of character flaw in that that's very seemingly true. perfect person. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the role that Nagasawa takes. But I do think that the um, the circle of people that surround... Uh, Watanabe, mm-hmm. I I always had a tendency to compare them to people I knew. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much. And then like, you're Watanabe. And like I'm Watanabe, yeah. and these are the people in my yeah. life. We we um because obviously we go to the same school and we have the same friends and things like that. Yeah. Uh, while I w- because he read it before me, and while I was reading the book, um, we would often be like, this is this, this character person. is this person. Yeah, and definitely. We'd be very much like yes, yes, yes. Uh, and that's something we haven't really had with other books that we've That's read. very true. I think it's just that the way he creates the characters is just very realistic. So yeah. it's like or each it's character like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. has its own flaw and it, ex- it explains why he has certain character traits and why they do this. And I feel like there are so many uh, different characters as well that you you can okay. compare yeah, them yeah, to yeah, people yeah. that because you know. Because there's so many. Yeah. yeah. I, I also thought that <coughs> to a certain extent he leaves the characters a little bit blank, a little bit of oh, interpretation. So that you can which is why why it's write so them easy. yourselves. Yeah. That's a fair point as well. Um, Midori. Let's talk about Midori. Midori. Oh yes, yeah. Midori. I I feel like you liked her a lot. I liked her a lot, yeah. Because uh, I thought she was quite uh, interesting, but maybe not to the point of Nayoko. But I mean Yeah, um she seems quite of like a backup plan for him. Yeah, but if I, I think um she he also sees it that way because Naoko he's been through her like been through things with her and he has a history with her um whereas that kind of takes away from Midori but in reality I think if we look at the conversations between and the interactions between uh uh Toru and Midori and Toru and Naoko you could argue that Midori and Toru are a better match for each other that's very true and maybe um his relationship with Naoko prevents him from going further with the person that he should be with until Spoiler alert! You know she she dies. Nayoko, that yeah. Point. Uh, and then he's finally able to move on, and the book kind of ends. And he doesn't even go to Midori, so. Uh-huh. Well, at the very end, he does. Yeah, but he, he goes first to the um, the woman who helps him, the Ishida. Oh, Reiko, you mean? Reiko Ishida, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that's quite an interesting plot point as well. Yeah, so uh, Reiko, as she is referred to in the book, is uh, another patient in yeah, the, uh, the patient. asylum. Well, yeah, the kind of call, re- they refuge. They call it a sanatorium in, yeah, the, in the book. That Nayoko is sent to. And um, so Ishida already lives there. Mm-hmm. And that's where she becomes friends with Nayoko and therefore uh, yeah, Toru they, when he goes to visit them. Yeah. So they uh, they live in the same room, Reiko and. Uh, and she's Nayoko. much older as well, Reiko. Yeah, she's, she's like. like uh, I don't remember. 50th. Between f- like 50, 60. Yeah, in my mind, she was too old to get with um, yeah, but, uh, Toru. I didn't see her as an old lady. I just Me saw neither. Her as older, but me. old, yeah. Because they're still early twenties. Exactly. At the end of the book, uh, Tor is only twenty-one. Yeah. So she, but, uh, but okay, we 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 can figure out because she said she was a thirty-year-old woman when that happened with the piano girl. 
Uh, so she has an affair where she's very young. The, the reason for so she's thirty-eight. Yeah. yeah. So the reason for Ishida being <coughs> in that, the reason for Ishida being in that asylum was that she had an affair with a young girl, um, who basically manipulated her into yeah, a this thir- relationship. Yeah, a thirteen-year-old girl who. It's weird to kind of talk. Yeah, about now it's story. weird because but, it's uh, not weird at all in the book. Yeah, I mean, but um, basically they uh, they have some sexual relations, and then people find out about it, and of course they accuse Ishida for initiating this, but, but yeah, it's not really her. Yeah, but and so she's sent off to Hard to believe these. that, obviously. And still, you can argue that uh, Reiko should have been like, really been like, no, 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 this is not okay at all. Yeah, but it's, Just because of the fact that she's 13, regardless of how much she enjoyed but it. But the way she describes it is that the 13-year-old is so uh, beautiful and persuasive yeah. that it causes her for, to fall into this trap. Yeah. But even then, her husband um, stays behind her and stuff like that, but she just gets so traumatized by the 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 relationship that she's had with this young girl that she never fully recovers and mm-hmm. goes to the sanatorium um, to live with Nayoko in the end. Yeah. But then when Nayoko dies, she goes to see um, uh, Toru and then they have a relationship. Yeah. <coughs> I don't know if you could call it much of a relationship, but she just comes to Tokyo to talk t- with Toru because obviously they've both been having a difficult time because Nayoko yeah. is dead. And he's at this point left the um, the dormitory that he lived yeah, in he, with he lives many in other people. Like a little house now, which also he had rooms allotted for. I him. very much like the description of his rebuilding of the house. Yeah. And, and oftentimes in the book, um, if he's going through this like an alcoholic stupor or he's depressed or something like that. Eventually, he'll pick himself up in the form of either, like, taking care of himself, so he'll or shave, get a haircut, yeah. and all these things, or... Or someone else yeah. maybe brings him out of his yeah, exactly. issues. And, or he, like, um, or he like cleans his room, and he, like, does all these new things to it, which is kind of, uh, after that three weeks, um, when was that? Oh, because he came back from the second time he went to the sanatorium, I think yeah. that's when he bought the house. The house, yeah. yeah. Because he wanted Nayoko to come live with him in the small house. But in the end, she wasn't yeah. so then, available. Uh, yeah. So then Reiko comes to Tokyo, and they get drunk in in memorial of Naoko. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, let's have sex. And then they have sex. And that's it's quite kind of a, how it goes. Yeah, it's quite an intense and weird moment. Yeah. And even like, for the reader. It's, it, the past few, it's the last few pages of the book. So it's really, yeah, yeah uh, an intense conclusion to the story. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of cleaning the room and stuff like that, Stormtrooper who's yeah. uh, one of the main characters, even though he stays quite a short amount of time in the book, is very interesting because... So he's quite um, intensely obsessive with different um, parts of his life. So he wants to... Every morning he works out very early. Mm-hmm. He cleans his room. He's quite the nerd of the dormitory. Everybody makes fun, of, makes fun of him. But at one point during the story, he just disappears. And we never hear about him again, or at least... Um, Watanabe never thinks... I mean, he thinks about him, but he never tries to find out where he went. And I think that's quite um, an important symbol of the story. So, like, maybe maybe anyone can disappear at any point in your life with that explanation. Yeah. Or maybe this has happened to Murakami. Yeah, and there's nothing you can really uh, do about it, and the role that that person once filled... Is empty, yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's why he went into such an intense bout of depression, I guess. It's because no one was there. In the the rising action of the story, the, like... Events like that just keep compiling. Yeah, and it piles up, piles up in Murakami, uh, not Murakami's, in Watanabe's mind, to the point at which he breaks with the death of yeah. uh, Nayoko. 
But I do think Stormtrooper... Do you think that the death of Nyoko is the turning point in the book? The climax, so to speak? Ooh, I think... I don't know, because it doesn't really feel like it. Yeah, I think it's... The way that it's written. It's not, like... It's... I don't know if you noticed, but the chapter ends, and then the next chapter starts, and it's like... Yeah. Nyoko is dead. Nyoko is dead, yeah. But it doesn't actually describe her death in any meaningful way, or like an end letter that he receives. There's no fitting conclusion to the story. Which is maybe oh, just, again, yeah. like, people just disappear, and that's just yeah. the way things go. I think he's just trying to relate it to real life, and not trying to dramatize. Uh, not trying to make it so much of a, of a romanticized novel story, exactly. but more of a, this is how things really happen. Yeah, so people die, and you don't always have a, a huge goodbye, or like yeah. a firework at the end. You don't always get to say goodbye, just in general, maybe, yeah. that's what he's trying to say. But also, this could maybe be because it's for the Western audiences. Maybe he's dimmed it down, dulled it down yeah. a little bit. And in other, um, in his other books, uh, people say that uh, a lot of what he does is he'll, he even has, has like these almost mythological aspects in his books. Yeah. And like just surrealistic aspects, and this is such a more like, <coughs> I guess you could call it like a classic love story type of thing. But really, yeah. Not really classic though, but yeah, a love story. Yeah, not classic, but it's like that's if you had to put a genre on it. Yeah, definitely, I'd say yeah, romantic. Yeah. But um, yeah, but yeah, the story is definitely composed of small events, small um, meetings, I guess, small reunions with people Mm -hmm. that lead up to that follow a main plot line, but not really follows it in a very specific way. So it kind of jumps around all over the place, which I think creates a great. Um, storyline to read it really makes me want to get to the next page as mm-hmm. fast as I can so I can keep going with his life yeah and I think that's also because um, it's kind of Toru's thoughts and us following him interlaced yeah. with these like interactions and going here and going there but I find it very impressive how the author manages to make us um, like Toru so much um, yeah. like sometimes his thoughts are, are quite like not good if I I don't know they're quite negative thoughts, but mm-hmm. the way that we read it, it's like, oh, I understand why he did this. Yeah. You know, and it makes us want to, like, trust him and believe him. And I guess that's also just because of all the context that we have. Yeah. That it's easier to kind of, uh, yeah. like, what? how would you react in that exactly. uh, situation? And, and every character has its, has his or her own trauma that he has to yeah. deal with, explaining why they do certain things. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And you can kind of trace everything back to, to that. Events. So you're like, oh, this is why this is yeah. happening. So yeah, for example, yeah, Midori, the per- the character they really like, yeah. her mom, mom died, mom of died. Cancer, and then eventually dad dies of cancer. That not so long episode, afterwards. yeah, that episode, the dad dying of brain cancer is quite an intense moment mm-hmm. as well in Watanabe's life. But again, that's very much like, um, oh, will I see you next Sunday? And then yes, like, and then he dies. He's dead. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so I guess he does that twice in the book with people dying. Yeah. So he's sending a message maybe about death. Like, yeah. this is what death is really like. I don't Sudden really... and and uh, Yeah. And unexpected. Yeah. And I think that's a good image of death to have. Yeah. Maybe that's also I part of it. I thought of it that way, that he was trying to portray it in a more maybe, realistic yeah. manner. I thought that was maybe just that Japanese style of writing. I was thinking that as well now. Maybe it's just the Japanese way. Because they do say in Japan, they think that death is a part of life. Yeah. Which he, uh, he, which, uh, he, he does think. Comes to, comes to realize. I've, yeah. That's very much... Um, like also, bringing it back to crime... Uh, not crime and punishment. I meant um, the death, the of, death of Ivan Ilyich. He realizes as well in the end. <coughs> I'm sorry for that. Um, <laughs> he realizes as well in the end, he says, death is actually a part of my life. Mm-hmm. I pity these people who don't understand it. Yeah. 
but you can only really understand when you once you've brushed up with death as well yeah um, yeah, so another important character as well is, um, we mentioned him, but Nagasawa, his way of living is very different to the other characters. I feel like yeah. he stands out a lot. And he, uh, it's, it's, you can tell from uh, the way he acts, but also um, he says it explicitly that he only cares about himself. Yes, but he, he knows that and he doesn't mm. really think it's a bad aspect of but himself. the fact that he knows it, I don't think that makes it okay. That doesn't excuse him for being kind of a bad person in general. That is true, but he does um, justify it a lot by saying, I know it's bad, but I can't really do anything about yeah. it. He does care about Toru, though. Watanabe, he helps him out all the time mm-hmm. with his like relations and stuff like that. He really tries to, um, I guess, get him to understand his point of view yeah. by bringing him with him. Like, this is why I do this. I hope you understand. Yeah, and even at the end... Um, because they both like the Great Gatsby. Yeah, that's, that's the what reason they, what they bond over. Yeah. And in the end, when they part ways for the last time... Um, he even Nagasawa even gives him gives Toru some like la, like last piece of advice because he can't he, Nagasawa's kind of like this evolved version almost of Toru yeah in the way that he gives him advice and he's like um, he says never feel sorry for yourself yeah that's what he says to him yeah and he also then, gives him a bunch of his stuff while he goes yeah. so like his expensive fridge his uh, like kitchen equipment yeah. all that stuff and uh, Watanabe is very Sur- uh, surprised about this yeah. because he didn't expect it but he's very glad that he was friends with uh, Nagasawa in the end yeah he, yeah, he, he contri- contributes to uh, Toru in just a good way overall yeah but maybe though- not to the other people in his life yeah like his uh, girlfriend who's always described That's by Watanabe yeah. yeah she's always described by Watanabe as being the perfect woman like yeah. so um, caring so kind and she loves um, she loves Nagasawa so much but he doesn't really care about her. He yeah, and he discards just her. sleeps with other women yeah. while, while they're dating and stuff. But she knows that and doesn't care. Yeah, and he tells her about it. He's like, yeah, this happened last night. I hope you don't mind that much. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and then she's like, yeah, I don't mind that much. Yeah, but she really does. Yeah. Uh, and then there's uh, like the, la- la- <coughs> the last third of the book, there's a lot of breaking off of these relationships. And Toru breaks off his relationship with Hatsumi as well, because I don't know, she's going somewhere else. That's maybe why we relate so much yeah. in a deep way to this, because, you know, we're arriving at the end of, like, a huge cycle, mm-hmm. which is school, and we're going and each our separate ways. These people. Yeah. So maybe that's why we also related a lot. We read it maybe in a good point in our lives, yeah. so we can relate to the book. But yeah, I feel like it's very... Uh, an exploration of different relationships and how they end. They can end suddenly. Mm-hmm. But also... They can keep going. They can keep going for a long time. Yeah, so it's... I think it's... The book is a nice homage to... Um, Connections in between people, yeah. yeah. And just... Yeah, the way that, that life goes in... in yeah, in you how don't... How you relate with other people. Yeah, you don't know who you'll end up with. For example, we don't even know who Reiko is in the beginning mm-hmm. of the book. And in the end, he ends up with her. Yeah. And we don't know for how long, but he does end up having a relationship with her. Which is the least of what we expected. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a nice thought to end on, just that yeah. anything can happen. That was, very, uh, that was very interesting. Yeah. Is that it? I think so. I that think was a good... Nice. I don't think we went too much in depth. Maybe we could even make a second, it's, second it's, episode. It's t- tough with... Yeah, there are so many different aspects. Because we can talk about the, about the bigger themes and stuff. Yeah, especially this one. It has so many yeah. different aspects to it. Uh, but then it, it would be also nice to just point, like, go to some specific points in the book and maybe like, like just read... That would be interesting. Maybe you could do that next week. Yeah. Um, Yeah, thank you for listening this far. 
Um, I hope you enjoyed our um, our podcast. Episode eight already. We're we're getting close to that number ten. Yeah, when we're at the number ten. Movie podcast. Oh, is that what we're gonna do for the number ten movie podcast? I already told our secret guest on that episode. Our Italian masterman. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll do it." Oh, that's cool. Okay, so that's cool. So we think that the movie that we're gonna be watching is uh, No Country for Old Men, which is quite a famous. uh, But we've never heard of it. We've never heard of it. Um, I I watched the um, I looked up on IDMB and I saw the few actors that I knew. So apparently, it's quite a. Breakthrough movie for them, um, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see you next week. Um, bye. Yeah, thank you for listening.